Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Everybody doing all right? Doing good? All right, to the Bible. Uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, and let's look at verse 19. The people of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well-situated. It's a well-situated town, as you can see. But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. The water is bad and the land is unproductive. That in and of itself probably could have been the title of my sermon. But instead, I titled this, How to Heal from Toxic Influences. The water is bad and the land is unproductive. So Elisha said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in the new bowl. And so they brought it to him. And he went out to the spring and he threw the salt into it saying, this is what the Lord says. I've healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day according to the word of Elisha. This is the second miracle that Elisha would perform. Elijah has just been taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. The mantle fell. Elisha picked it up. And the very first city he walks into is the city of Jericho, which is the city we're reading about. And the people immediately come to Elisha. They they know he's a prophet. They know he hung out with Elijah. Word has gotten out that Elijah is gone. And so the people come to Elisha about the water conditions in the city of Jericho, and we read about what would be the second miracle of Elisha in this story. This is a powerful story because we all have areas of our life that we need healing. We all have areas of our life that that we need God to do a work in because of the things that happen just as a result of being on this planet. You cannot live very long on this planet without life wounding you. At the same time, it is God's will for his people to be healed and to be whole. It is not a concept. It is not a good idea. It is the will of God that you are healed and whole in your body in your mind, in your relationships, in your emotions. And I want to use this story of the toxic waters in Jericho. I want to use this story that Elisha walks into this toxic environment. He speaks God's word over the conditions of that community and the waters, the Bible said, were healed. Now, Jericho, as you would know, is a very popular city in the scripture. It's known as the city of palms. So just imagine palm trees everywhere in Jericho. The Bible says that this city was well situated. In other words, anyone could walk up to Jericho and just looking at the landscape of Jericho, you would know that this is a prime piece of real estate. This is a prime location, if you will. And the Bible says that it's well-situated, which means it's an extravagant, luxurious, substantial, exquisite, elegant, grand, 
and sophisticated, extremely beautiful area. This is what I want you to see. All the natural markings of potential were around the city of Jericho. This was central to every trade route, no matter which direction you were coming from. This is an area that is surrounded by uh, the Jordan River and springs, and it's located in the midst of the Jordan Valley. And so as you look around the city, there's, there's the landscape is mountainous and there's hills all around that area. And if you consider that it's in the middle of a desert and that this is this one little spot that's like an oasis in the middle of all of this desert land, and the Bible says that it was a thriving area, it was a well-situated area, but people were abandoning the area because of the pollution in the water. The people are watching their crops die. They're, agriculturally speaking, nothing was growing. Not only are the crops unproductive and unfruitful, but generations of farmers cannot figure out how to get their crops back on in a way that would flourish. Livestock is dying off. They're losing their herds and their flocks. They're walking down their roads and wild animals are strangely, uh, corpses are everywhere. And the land is completely devastated. Mothers are miscarrying. Children and families are dying. And people are grieving. And so Elisha walks into this, this place that is extravagant. It's well situated. It's got all the natural giftings and talents to it. But when he walks into this city as a result of the loss and as a result of the toxic environment, people are grieving. It is a hopeless place when Elisha shows up. It is a hopeless time. And the Bible says the people had identified the source of the pain and the loss, and it's that the water was polluted and toxic. And people are so heartbroken that this entire city is on the verge of becoming a ghost town. When I read this story, I immediately begin to think about how this is a picture of the world that we live in. We're born into this world, just a toxic environment just toxic waters, toxic mindsets. If you go online, if you go onto any social media uh, platform, anywhere you go, if you drink too much of that water, you're gonna find out really fast that it is polluted by sin. It is polluted by pride. It is polluted by a rebellion against God. And if we drink those toxic waters of negativity and bitterness over and over, what you and I will find is that the, our land, our lives will end up being unproductive because of the waters we're drinking from. And the more toxic the waters are, the more unfruitful you and I are. Well, we would know because of this series, The Gardener, that nothing survives without a clean water source. All living things draw from water to live. Water cleanses, water nourishes, water hydrates. 70% of our planet is water. 60% of your body is water. Without water, you and I have no life. Life is over as we know it.
So it's no wonder when God came to help us understand who he is and who his word is and uh, who the Holy Spirit is, he would give us the symbol of water. And he would say, if you want to know what my word is like, there's the washing of the water of the word. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into your life, the Bible says he's like living water that, that comes from your, that flows out of your belly, that flows out of your life. And wherever that the spirit of God flows from you, it brings life. We would know that water is a source, then not just in the natural for life, but it's a source, spiritually speaking, for life as well. We would know that water is not just something we have in the temporal on this planet. When we get to heaven, the Bible says that there's a river of life that flows out from the throne and from the Lamb of God. And wherever those waters touch, life comes. And so water speaks of not just what we need on this planet, but water is also something that is in heaven as well. And so here they are in this community. They're in this city, Jericho. They have to have, of course, water to live, to survive. They have to have it. But to drink the water, instead of it being a life source, it's a death wish. And so how did they heal this toxic influence? I want to look at a couple choices that Elisha made to heal the waters of Jericho. Number one, he said, bring me a new bowl. Everybody say new bowl. You guys doing okay? Doing good? A new bowl. This is so good. In other words, you cannot heal the toxic waters of your soul. You cannot heal the toxic waters in the family. You cannot heal the toxic waters of our society and in our relationships with an old bowl mindset. You cannot heal an old wound with an old bowl mentality. Elisha said, I need a new bowl. I need a fresh start. I need some fresh ideas. I need a fresh strategy. There's that old saying that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And people are wondering, why is it not working? The, the hammer worked for my grandpa and the, the hammer worked for my dad. And why isn't the hammer? Because every now and then you got to understand that, that not everything is a nail. Every now and then, not that it's not worked in the past, but sometimes you got to say, OK, I need some fresh eyes to deal with this old problem. Everyone's blaming the water, but Elisha focuses on the bowl. Everyone's saying the water is poison. The water is toxic. But Elisha does not investigate the water. He, he doesn't experiment with the water. He just says, I need a new bowl. I need something new to handle an old problem. So if you're the old bull, you would know this. You would know that the old bull, it goes out and it's dipped into the water and they pull the water out and they take the water and maybe they pour it on their plants over here. Maybe they're pretty little fake flowers on the stage and they, <laughs> they, they just pour the water here and maybe they use the water to cook some, some soup or some stew or maybe they use the, the, the water to, uh, you know, to, to drink or to feed their animals. And, and this is what the old bowl is used for. It's used to go and to get, it's to draw. I, I use the bowl because I have expectancy when I go into my relationship with the water. I'm here to get something from it. That's why I'm here. 
I need that. And so I have this bowl because this bowl is the way I get what I expect from the water. The problem is when they go to dip their bowl in the water and they drink it, they get sick, they get ill, they get weak. As a result, they're disappointed, they're angry, they're frustrated. And what are they supposed to do? They're thirsty. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You have needs. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You have desires, you have wants, you have things you want out of life that you need out of life. And, and what happens here is they go to drink from the waters, but the waters are toxic. I find this so often that people in marriage or in relationships or in church or even on the job, what they have a tendency to do is they come and in their mind, this is all here for them to draw from. That spouse is there for them to draw from. The church is there for them to draw from. The job is there for them to draw from. Everything in life is about, okay, here's a need I have and this is supposed to meet that need that I have in my life. And over time, people get let down and people get disappointed and people get frustrated because of unmet expectations and they keep taking that old bowl mindset and it leaves them sick in their emotions, sick in their thinking, sick in their mindset. And so Elisha said, the first thing you gotta do if you're gonna heal the toxic influences in your life is you've got to get a new bowl. You cannot put the fresh water in the old bowl. Jesus said it like this, you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. You can't do it that way. What you've got to do is you've got to say, okay, God, I know for you to do a new thing, I cannot bring to you an old mindset. The Bible describes prayer like a bowl. That when you and I pray, there's a bowl in heaven is how the Bible describes it. And our prayers go up. And God puts those prayers in a bowl. And as soon as the bowl gets full, then the bowl tilts and the answer to those prayers is poured out in your life. So think about it. When God creates a bowl, it's not for what you can go get from it. It's about what you put in it and what you give out of it. So we think... The bowl is about what I can get. And God's saying, well, first of all, let's hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What are you putting into the bowl? What are you investing into the bowl? So many people are facing the old problem. They're facing the old issue. They're facing the old hurt. But they've never said, okay, God, I need to put this all in something new. I see it this way. I see it like I can rehash, I can rehearse my old problems, my old hurts, or I can make a decision to say, okay, God, I'm gonna put all of this in the bowl. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna say, okay, God, here is that toxic situation. Here is that toxic relationship. Here is that toxic mindset, those toxic thoughts. I, I, I'm, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, I'm sick, and, and I, I need, but instead of me continuing to take that old mindset, I'm gonna make a decision, I'm gonna give it to you. Some of you need to make a decision to say, I'm not gonna live my whole life sick and tired. I want to decide, 
okay, God, I know you've got a new bowl for me. I know you've got something new for me. I know you've got something uh, in store for my life that doesn't include that I just continue down these same toxic paths, same toxic relationships, same toxic behaviors over and over again. The Bible says that the potter looks at the clay and the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. But the Bible didn't say that the potter took that bowl, that vessel, and he threw it away. No, the Bible says that he took that clay, that marred bowl, that old bowl, and the Bible says he made it yet again into a new vessel. What you and I have to know is God does not throw away people. God makes them into yet another vessel. Our job is to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this person. I'm gonna give you this relationship. I'm gonna give you this issue. I'm gonna give you this hurt. I submit this relationship to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every single person in this room has relationships that you have to say, okay, I submit it to the Lordship of Jesus. I put it, okay, God, I'm putting all of this in the new bowl. I'm saying, okay, the new way I'm gonna do it is I'm gonna say, here you go, God. Here it is. Here's the relationship. I submit my marriage to you. I submit my babies to you. In other words, they're in your hands. I give them to you. I love them. I'm for them, but I know that you can do way more with them than I can. I give them to you. I give you the job. I give you the church. I give it to you. And your job, God, of course, is to make them into a new vessel. So I don't give people to God. I don't give my toxic issues to God in judgment. We give people to God in compassion and grace. We give them to say, God, give me a new bowl. Give me a new bowl. It's not God fix them. It's God heal me. It's not they're the problem. My bowl's the problem. My mindset's the problem. And what is the new bowl? The new bowl is our opportunity every day to come to God and say, okay, here I am again, and I need a new bowl. I need new grace. I need new mercies. I need a, a freshness about the way that I'm going at this old problem. And Elisha didn't say, go draw the water and investigate the water, scrutinize the water. He said, bring me a new bowl. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to put some salt in it. And I want you to take the salt and I want you to pour it in the water. So a new bowl mindset is what I bring to the table. It's what I pour into the situation. It's what I invest into the situation. It's not what I can draw out of it. It's not what I can expect from it. It's what am I pouring into it? And so Elisha said, okay, put salt in the new bowl. I believe that this specifically in scripture, salt speaks of truth. A lot of people love the grace side of scripture but they don't like the truth side. But John 1 says Jesus was both full of grace and he was full of truth. So a new bowl mindset, I have to put something in it. If the new bowl is grace, if the new bowl is forgiveness and favor and mercy and God's love, 
A lot of people just want the new bowl part of the gospel. That's what they want. But they don't like the salt part. They don't like the truth part. They don't like when the the Bible starts to say some things that make it really difficult or even offensive to their life, to their thinking, to their choices. But Elisha didn't say, I want a new bowl. He said, I want a new bowl, and I need to make sure there is some salt in the new bowl. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The Bible says that you and I are the salt of the earth. So we, we have our new bowl, and we don't put sugar in it. We put salt in it. We have a generation that wants everything about church and everything about preaching and everything about Christianity to be sugary. Right. Make it sweet for me. Right. The problem is if all you do is eat sugar and sweet, it's going to rot the inside of you out. So the word of God is not just sweet. And what happens the second that you say that, hey, I've learned this. People get surprised when you preach a salty sermon. They actually feel like you're being negative. No, you're being truthful. And truthful is a whole lot different than being negative. So what do we do? We say, God, give me that. Give me that sugar. Where, do I, where can I go to find a sugary preacher? Where can I go to find that sugary church? Where can I go to find that sugary sermon? That's what I want. I want it to be sugary, and I want it to be sweet, and I want it to, I want it to make me feel good, and I don't want to ever be uncomfortable. But when we as preachers, as pastors, as Christians, lean that way with the gospel then God finds some way to raise anything he needs to up to tell people the truth. So you can be Balaam and you don't want to listen to what God has to say. So And no preacher will talk to you because they're afraid of you. So God raises up a donkey to preach the truth to Balaam. You can be Simon Peter and you don't want to listen to what nobody's got to say. God will send a rooster to preach to you. Not one time, not two times, but he'll preach to you three times if he has to. God raised up a worm to preach the gospel to Jonah. There's nothing special about us today. If we ever abandon the truth of God's word, God will raise up anything he has to, to bring truth to people's lives. I wonder what our churches would do today if God sent a salty preacher like John the Baptist to come and talk to our main influencers about their sin and about how they're wrong and how they're off. I wonder how we would respond to that. I wonder how we would respond to an Abraham would show up in our city and say, if God does not find at least 10 righteous, he's destroying the city. How would we deal with that? People say God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin of homosexuality. Clear sin in scripture, no question about it. But that is not why God destroyed the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it because he could not find 10 righteous. He could not find salt. 
He was looking for salt. He was looking for people that would do more than sing about it and even do more than clap about it and even do more attend it and shake their heads, but actually walk out of a church building and live it and say, this is more than just something I want to talk about. This is something I want to be real in my everyday life. And so God said, I need salt. I need salt. If I'm going to heal the toxic relationships, I need salt. What happened? Lot and his wife left the city and God said, don't look back. Don't you dare look back. Lot's wife looked back and what happened? She became a pillar of salt. She became a lasting testimony to future generations that when God comes looking at a problem, a toxic environment, he wants some salt. He needs some people that understand there is such thing as truth. There is a such, such thing as holiness. There is such thing as a standard. There is such thing as right and wrong. There, is, there are things that our world and our culture say is right and you drink from it and you drink from it and you drink from it and you become more and more sick and toxic and wounded and hurt and bitter and negative. At some point, you got to make a decision to say, I'm going to quit drinking and, and pulling my life source from this world and I'm going to go back to God's word and the water of his word and I'm going to ask God to speak to me through the truth of this book. In the Old Testament, every time they made a sacrifice, God commanded them to put salt on the sacrifice. God never accepted a sacrifice without salt on it. There were two covenants primarily made in Scripture, the blood covenant and a salt covenant. Neither covenant has ever ended. Both of them remain as long as we're here on this planet. We would know Jesus is the fulfillment of the blood covenant. But if you go to Mark chapter four, 9, verse 49, Jesus also said, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. I love this last part of it because it lets us know what he's talking about. And be at peace with each other. What's Jesus saying? If you want to heal from the toxic nature of some relationships and some influences in your life, you've got to put some salt in it. You've got to put some truth in it. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech have grace and be seasoned with salt. I'm almost done. I want you to bring me a new bowl and I want you to put salt in it. You've got to have grace and truth. Grace and truth. Old preacher Sam Jones, I mean, used to be an evangelist for the Methodist church, if that says anything to you. And whenever he would preach, I mean, this guy was a hard-nosed preacher. I mean, he preached hell is hot. You know, he preached hard. Always preaching about sin, always preaching about holiness and being consecrated and separated by God. And whenever he would get done preaching, a lot of his critics would say that he never preaches anything but just hard, 
holiness, and they criticized him. And so the next time he got up to preach, he said, I'm not going to open my Bible this time because all my critics say every time I open my Bible, I preach on holiness, I preach on holiness. He says, so, so I'm not even going to open my Bible. He says, but I don't have to because right there on the cover is everything you need to know about the contents of this book. It's the holy Bible. He said, I don't even have to open up the book to get to the point that God wants us to talk about salt, truth, that this is supposed to impact your life. It's not supposed to be an abstract thing. It's supposed to hit into every area of your life. And so he would hold revivals and thousands would come wherever he would preach. He finally scheduled a revival in the city of Nashville, Tennessee, And a man by the name of Mr. Ryman, who was uh, the most wealthy, powerful man in Nashville, owned 30-plus riverboats, owned bars, casino, was the number one alcohol distributor in the state of Tennessee. Very, very wealthy. And Mr. Ryman had made a threat that if Sam Jones comes to this city, we will run him out of town. So Sam Jones buys a train ticket, gets to Nashville, says, I need you guys to take me to the Ryman Mansion, which was where Mr. Ryman lived. So they take him to the Ryman Mansion. He knocks on the door. The butler answers, and he says, yeah, I'm Sam Jones, and I am the guest of Mr. Ryman. I need you to get a spare bedroom ready for me, and I also need you to call when dinner is ready because I'm going to be eating dinner with Mr. Ryman. Well, the butler just thought Mr. Ryman had maybe not communicated with him, and so he brings him in, sets him up in the room, calls him down for dinner. He walks into the dining room, and Mr. Ryman's at the head of the table, and Sam Jones walks in. He says, who are you? And he says, I'm Sam Jones. (laughs) And Mr. Ryman is upset. He's frustrated. He's mad. He's angry. He says, what are you doing here? He says, well, I heard you were going to run me out of town, but I showed up just to let you know I'm going to be staying in your guest bedroom and I'll be eating dinner with you every night and I'm going to be holding a revival right down the road and you're invited. Well, Mr. Ryman, of course, just being the kind of person that he was, as driven as he was, settled down and and had a, a level of respect for Sam Jones. The newspaper, the national media got a hold of what was going on And the headlines read, Preacher Lives with Alcohol Distributor. (laughs) So they would camp outside of the revival and camp outside of of the mansion to report on this dynamic. Well, after a couple weeks of being in the same home, Mr. Ryman finally decides to go to the, the revival and he gets gloriously saved. He sells his businesses, he he sells everything that he owns, and he goes and he asks Sam Jones, what do you want me to do? And he said, I need you to build me an auditorium so I can preach the gospel to thousands of people. And so he took the money and he built an auditorium called the Ryman Auditorium, which you probably hear the, the grand old Opry later came and bought that theater And if you know anything about country music, you would say one of the biggest accomplishments of any country music artist is to sing on the Ryman stage. But the original purpose of the Ryman Theater was built 
for preaching the gospel. What I want you to see is no sugary preacher changed the life of Mr. Ryman. It took a salty preacher. It took someone that was unafraid to say God has a standard. There are things that God desires from us, and it's not because he's hard and mean and legalistic and, and a rule-giving God and some, some mean CEO or judge. Or, or That's not who he is. God is not a drill sergeant, but yet he knows that he wants us to live our life healed from toxic influences. And so he needs us to bring grace, and he needs us to bring truth. So the Bible says that Elisha takes that new bowl, and he takes the salt, and he throws it into the water. And the Bible says that those waters were healed. I love the fact that the truth is, if you read the text, a new bowl did not heal the toxic waters. The salt did not heal the toxic waters. God spoke as a result of people's obedience to say, I'm gonna keep bringing grace, and I'm gonna keep bringing truth to this toxic situation. I'm gonna bring grace and I'm gonna bring truth. I'm gonna bring grace and I'm gonna bring truth. And then I'm gonna let God do what only he can do and that is God and only God can heal the toxic situations in our life. And the Bible says that God spoke and the waters were healed. Now, this is what I love about it. They were not healed for a day. They were not healed for a week. They were not healed for a month or a year. When God spoke that the waters would be healed, this is what God said, that they would be healed permanently for good. They would never be bad again. And now you have this city, Jericho, well-situated, extravagant, beautiful, wealthy, well-to-do, filled with potential, filled with talent, filled with gifting, filled with everything, but now the Bible says because the water is healed, the land is productive. Because the water is healed, the land is fruitful. And never again was that area unfruitful or unproductive because God healed the waters. I preach this message because I was in my mind thinking about all of the potential that's in this room. I was thinking about all the potential that's in the raising of our babies. I was thinking about all the potential in your marriage or if you're single, your future marriage. I was thinking about, as God's people, all the potential. We've been well situated, we really have. God has done some amazing things in our lives, but if we're not careful, will allow those toxic influences to make us unproductive. And I just thought about how many spouses in this room need to bring a new bowl to the marriage. You just need to bring a fresh outlook. Just, you just keep on going back and grabbing a hold of the same old hurt, same old issues, same old problem. This is the most amazing thing about God. Can I tell you what it is? No matter what things have been like before this moment, you can start all over again. And God immediately gives you a brand new, fresh bowl, fresh start, immediately. You just bring it to him. And if we're like our Father who is in heaven, 
If his DNA is in us, we should equally be able to come into any situation and say, okay, I'm giving this relationship a fresh start, just a brand new beginning. I'm going to give it grace. I'm going to give my spouse. I'm not going to go back to our 20s. If you're in your 20s, forgive me. I'm going to preach to those who are up a little bit. (laughs) Quit going back to your 20s. Just make a decision. We're going to start fresh. We're going to bring a new bowl to this. Not that we're not going to be honest, not that we're not going to be sincere with one another, but we're going to get back to realizing our potential and quit letting toxic things cause us to be unproductive in our life. What are you hanging on to? What are you hanging on to where your expectations weren't met? Maybe you're frustrated or tired or sick or angry or mad or upset because you keep drawing on that thing that's supposed to be refreshing you and blessing you and being a source of life to you. But every time you go pull on it, you get disappointed and you get let down. God's word is bring a new bowl. Put some salt in it in Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.